great to be back here speaking to you again this morning. Can I just um, give one notice as well? If you are here today and you it's your first year wedding anniversary, could you just give us a wave, please? Hey. Couldn't let that one slip as it was a year ago today. So there you go. I don't know if you've had a, a, a good summer or a, or a bad summer. We've had a really nice summer. Summers for us mean lots and lots of traveling, which invariably these days means lots and lots of time in the car. Now, I'm sure this scenario will be very familiar to, to lots of you. You see, Anna, my lovely wife here, uh, who I thought might be in kids' room, but anyway, she's, she's here. So she, she is convinced that as I'm getting older, I'm getting a worse and worse driver, whereas I'm convinced that actually she's getting more and more of a backseat driver as, as, we, as we go on. You see, let me just get this off my chest, because I bet a number of you can identify with this, can you? Number of, yes, yes, those men brave enough to admit to it. So when, I need this chair for, the, for this. When, when I'm driving, I'm looking not just at the car in front, but I'm looking at cars five, six, seven ahead, so I can see what's happening uh, in the distance. And uh, <laughs> shh, shush, be quiet, woman. And, uh, and what, what's happening is when I see their brake lights go on cars number five or six, I take my foot off the accelerator. When I see cars three and four in front braking, I then begin to brake gently so that when cars one and two begin to brake, I can just slowly go behind them. This, this is what it's like if you're a passenger in my car when I'm driving, when I'm braking. This is a sideways profile for you. This is all that happens. Do you, do you see that? I'll do it again this way so you guys can see it a bit better. This is all that happens. Whereas Anna, because she's not paying attention, she, when she sees brake lights number one and two, and because she's unaware of the subtle changes that have happened, she goes, brake, brake! So this is what regularly happens in our journey. Whereas when Anna's braking, you know you're braking. This is what happens when Anna brakes in the car. <laughs> like that. <laughs> now, now, admittedly, in Anna's, in Anna's defense, very, very rarely very rarely, maybe just once in every long journey, I'll get distracted and I won't be looking at the road properly and we have to do a, a, a very sudden break. But anyway, anyway, the point of me telling you this is there's normally a point to my stories that if you spend your life just focused on what's immediately in front of you, you're in for a jerky ride. There'll be lots of stops and starts, highs and lows. Whereas if you can just take a slightly longer-term view as well, keeping one eye always on eternity, you'll still have stops and starts, you'll still have highs and lows, but actually you're in for a much smoother ride than you were if you're just focusing on the immediate. And actually, by having one eye on heaven, what you're doing is you're allowing the eternal aspect the eternity to drive, so to speak, the rhythm of your life rather than just the immediate, rather than the culture of our day. You see, as Christians, we're called to be in the world, but we're not called to be of the world. We're called to be relevant and, and, uh, and speak into our culture, but it's not our culture that should be driving the, 
uh, be in the driving seat of our lives. It should be us focusing on eternity and letting eternity be the driving, be in the driving seat of our lives. As we looked at the book of Ruth over the last four weeks, I hope you enjoyed it. It was fantastic. The guys did really well teaching on it. But this demonstrates this, 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 um, this principle wonderfully as a book. As you read the book, you think, oh, what a lovely story. But then as you study the book, as we have over the last four weeks, you realize, wow, it's not just a lovely story, but it's so relevant to the long-term purposes of God. Through Ruth, you get King David, and ultimately, you get Jesus as well. King David, of course, being the king of the Old Testament. And the reason he was the king of the Old Testament, the greatest king of the Old Testament, is because as Samuel could say to Saul when God rejected Saul, he said this about King David. He said, the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. David had many, many failings. And the Bible's not backward in coming forward about David's failings. But the reason David was so good was ultimately his heart was after God's heart. So when he messed up, when he made mistakes, he was quick to repent because he wanted heaven's heartbeat to be his own heartbeat. And my friends... That should be true of you and me. We as Christians, we as people who pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's will done on earth as it is in heaven. That should be, then heaven's heartbeat needs to be our heartbeat as well. Because actually God wants to use you and God wants to use me to bring about his purposes, to bring about his will here on earth as it is in heaven. He wants to involve you in his plans and purposes. It is a privilege as well as a responsibility for us. And what we're going to do this week and over the next few weeks is we're going to focus on just a few aspects of what heaven's heartbeat is for us here today. And it is as it has been for many a generation. You see, in particular, God's heart is that everyone should know and love Jesus. They should know the love of Jesus and they should love Jesus himself. God is glorified through that. And that is only made possible by the power of the Holy Spirit at work through us. So because of that, our vision statement here at Christchurch is this. It's sharing the love of Jesus in Helsham and beyond by the power of the Holy Spirit to the glory of God the Father. That is what God has called us to do at Christchurch. In fact, any Christian and any church could have this as their vision statement and just change the, the, the town wherever they live to, to be there because that is heaven's heartbeat. That is what God wants to do. And it's precisely because that's heaven's heartbeat that it is our mission statement of what we want to do. And it should be the goal of everybody who prays, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, I just want to run through this uh, vision statement and apply it very practically to us so we can see what it looks like to have heaven's heartbeat as our heartbeat. So firstly, 
we're called to be sharing the love of Jesus in Helsham and beyond. Do you know the most famous passage of Scripture? John 3, verse 16. Be familiar to you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him, he should not perish, but have eternal life. Do you know, everyone around you needs to hear that message that Jesus loves them. They need to know something of the love of God. The fact that all of us, by ourselves, have a tendency to do, to say, to think things that are wrong and offend God and are born into a state where we are separated from God. Everyone needs to hear this message and the fact that God loves them and us so much. He didn't leave us in that state. No, he sent Jesus to come to live that perfect life and then to die on the cross on their behalf so that he could take the punishment for the things that you and I have done, said, and thought that are wrong. You see, in order for God to continue to be good, he has to punish evil done under his charge. Because any good person who has responsibility, if he lets evil go unchecked in the area that he's responsible for, he's either complicit in it or at least he's accepting of it. And God cannot accept evil. But because he loves us so much... He sent Jesus to die on the cross for us so that we could be forgiven, we could know his love, and we could know his acceptance. Turn to the person next to you and say, God loves you so much. Do you know it's true? Whether you know him here this morning or not, whatever situation you're in, God loves you so much. And that's why we must share this message with those around us and also play our part in taking this good news to the ends of the earth. That's heaven's heartbeat that everybody knows the love of God. Next week, Dunk's going to look at uh, uh, the love of God and how we love one another and that, that sort of thing. But I just want to bring three simple points out from the, this, very, very brief points, these are sub-points, don't worry, about, uh, uh, about sharing the love of God. Firstly, we share it in speech. We share it in what we say. Do you know, it is an act of love to tell somebody the gospel. There's a lie out there that says, oh, you need to, you need to earn the right and have permission before you can share the gospel with somebody. You know, Jesus gave you permission in the Great Commission when he said, go into all the worlds. And Jesus earned the right when he died on the cross. You have the right to share the gospel with anyone. And actually, it is an act of love to share the gospel with somebody. But how you share it is almost as important, uh, if not equally important, as what you say as well. You see, if you come across in an arrogant way or a defensive way or a rude way or an incompassionate way, actually that will undermine the truth that you're trying to say. Even the Word of God became flesh and dwelt among us so that he could communicate God's message to us most effectively. So try to think about how you're saying something not just what you're saying something as well. You see, a grain of truth. It's better to take one grain of truth and share that in love 
And then that will be firmly planted in someone's mind, rather than just sort of scattergun them with a whole load of truth, and they just felt completely blasted by you with this whole load of truth and just crushed under the weight of it. It's better to say a little bit in love. And let me just say this as well. Whilst our aim is we want to share the gospel with as many people as we can, we're called to be people that share, uh, that, that, that bring truth to people as well. Whatever is good, whatever is noble, whatever is praiseworthy, speak about these things and encourage, doesn't say this, but this is what we're to do, and encourage people in those things as well. Sometimes we feel like, oh, I've got to get the whole, I've got to try and get the gospel into this conversation. Just drip feed, little bits here, little bits there. Let God do the rest. God will work through the rest. How we say something is is important as what we say. You know, if someone is going through a tough time, just saying something like, do you know, Carl, you're going through a really difficult time. Do you mind if I pray for you about that? Because I know God loves you. Do you know, that speaks volumes to people. Whether you pray for them there or then will depend on you, depend on the person. And Hopefully it's going to Gatwick. It sounded a bit low, didn't it? It's probably doing a, a turn. Whether, whether, depend on the you, depend on the person, and depend on the circumstance that you're in. But actually, that simple act of, of love will... Uh, Uh, will speak volumes into people. So let's consciously share the love of God in our speech with people we come across. Secondly, sharing the love of God in our action as well. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, he came and lived among people. He served people. He helped people. He healed people. He had time for people. He listened to people. He demonstrated in action the love of God. In fact, his whole life was intentional in demonstrating the love of God to humanity. We, sing, we teach our kids, don't we, this song, Jesus' hands are kind hands, doing good to all. Is that true of you? Do people view you as a kind person? Do people say, oh, yeah, that Duncan is a really kind man. He's a real servant. He's a, he's a loving man. That's what we should be known as in our workplaces, in our neighbourhood. People say, "Oh, yeah, they're a really nice person." Uh, they are, you know. Um, I um, the garage that I use as a mechanic is SM Motors up on the Diplocks, and uh, I mentioned that I was a uh, Nigel Baird's neighbour, and he said, "Oh, that man is such a servant. What a what a, a great you know accommodation of, of, of Nigel." He said, "That man's such a servant. He's such a he's such a kind man." My friends, we should be known as kind people. Little things like make, offering to make people cups of tea goes a long way. When people are going through a difficult time, just having that little bit of time to listen to them and to, and to spend time with them, help them. Do you know when someone is going through a crisis, giving them time then, it speaks volumes into their lives. And can I, can I just give you a little tip here? I'm sure many of you know this anyway. But other people's crisis will always come at the most inconvenient time in your life. It's, it's true. It will happen at the most inconvenient time. And you have a choice then. Do I help or do I say, oh, I'm too busy. I've got this, that, and the other. Now, it's not necessarily right every time for you to get involved. But when God nudges you, make sure that you're willing to give people that time. Every day, 
Let's intentionally try and demonstrate the love of God to at least one person. We should do it to everyone we come across. But let me set you this challenge. Every day, I want you to think of one person that you can intentionally show the love of God to this week and this month. Let's, 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 let's do it for a month and we, we can review it then. Finally, on this point of sharing the love of God, we should share the love of God in our responses or in our reactions. This can be as powerful as sharing the love of God in our actions. How do you respond when people are unkind to you, when people mistreat you, when people speak badly about you or speak badly about others around you? They gossip about them. Are you somebody that's quick to forgive them, quick to move on, determined that you're going to continue to show the love of God, even though they don't deserve it in, in, in worldly terms? Are you somebody that's quick to say, actually, I'm going to speak the truth in love to this person and gently say, you shouldn't say that about that person or, or that person? Or do you say nothing? My friends, God, whilst we were still sinners sent Christ to die for us. God lets the sun shine on the righteous and the unrighteous. Jesus' Jesus' reactions demonstrate the love of God as much as his actions. You look at that prayer when he's being put on the cross. Father, forgive them. They know not what they're doing. Let's make sure that our reactions and our responses to people aren't just worldly responses, but that they intentionally show the love of God to those around us. So we're called to share the love of God in Helsham and beyond. Where we live and where God sends us to or calls us as a church to to be involved. But crucially, you need to understand this point, that this task is impossible to do by yourself. It's impossible to do by yourself. Jesus said to the disciples, wait in Jerusalem until you receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And then you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We need to draw power from the Holy Spirit. We need to be a people of the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit, desiring the gifts of the Spirit, growing in the fruits of the Spirit, following the promptings of the Spirit. That's what the Christian life is. It's not one of rules and regulations. It's one of keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. You see, you, as a Christian, you need to get this. It's really important. You cannot please God in the flesh by your own works. Romans 8, verse 8 says this very clearly. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. We're unable to live the Christian life by ourselves, in our own strength. And yet very often we try to. When, the, when we become Christians and God's Spirit's in us and he, and he prompts us to do something, immediately we try and run off and do this and run off and do these good works rather than following what the Spirit is doing. We find ourselves too busy to pray, too tired to follow his promptings, and too organized just to to follow his leading over here and over here when it doesn't fit in with what we've organized. Let me just demonstrate this very quickly. Can I, uh, Mark, do you want to come up here? Can you just 
hold that pole out like that, one-handed if possible. It's quite, quite difficult, but uh, yeah, that's great. This represents the Christian life here. Now, do we have um, anyone called Hunter Tennant in the room? Hunter? Can a hunter come down here, please? Hey, let's give him a cheer. Didn't give you a cheer. Sorry, Mark. But, uh, hunter, he's a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a good young lad here. He represents the good works that God is calling us to do. Come up, Hunter. Right, you're the good work, so can you hang on this, please? Just, just, just hang on it and see if Mark can hold you. Put, put your weight on it. Uh, it's, it's impossible for Mark to hold him by himself. But if just someone comes along and helps Mark, hang on that. You can hang on that for as long as you want, hopefully. Hopefully our strength won't give him, Mark. Yeah, we hold him like that. That's fine. Actually, what was once impossible by ourselves is now actually quite easy with the help of another. Is it easy for you, Hunter? Kind of. Kind of. Oh, good. Well, you stay up there for, you stay up there for a bit longer. You see, this represents the, 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 our need for the Holy Spirit. We need his strength to give, give us strength so we can do it. You know, in fact, this image is not quite true because it's the Holy Spirit that puts the desire in Mark in the first place to live the Christian life as well. You're doing well there, Hunter. Well done. Are you ticklish at all? Oh, he's going for it. He's going for it. All right, we'll stay up for a bit longer. But uh, so it's not about activity. It's not about us running around doing lots of things. It's about partnership with the Holy Spirit it's about us partnering with him and helping him. Well done, Hunter. That's, that's good. Yeah, well done, Mark. Yeah, he held on for a long time there, didn't he? Yeah. Last time I used you for something, Hunter, I think. But, uh, <laughs> so it's, a, it's not about activity. It's about partnership. It's also about us not just relying on what we're naturally good at. God's given you your talents, that's true. And he will often use you in ways that you're, you're good in. But also, he'll want to use you in ways that you're not good in, in your weaknesses, so that his, his, his grace and his goodness can shine through our weakness as well. It's about us being obedient to him. It's not just about our strength. You know, Anna and I, we... Uh, we we felt called by God many years ago. This is a painful memory for, for Anna here, but she'll forgive me for sharing it. We felt called by God to lead a 9 to 12-year-old group at our church in Bournemouth for a while. They were, it was, they were, they, when we started, there were 11 horrible children in, in the group. But we, we weren't gifted in it, but we felt it was the right thing to do, so, so we did it. God blessed it enabled us to raise up a team to do it. And when we, that joyful day came, when three years later we were able to pass it on to somebody who was gifted in it, it had 30 horrible 9 to 11, 12-year-olds in there. You're not all horrible 9 to 12-year-olds, by, by the way. But actually, it wasn't something that we were particularly gifted in, but it was something for a season that God asked us to do. My friends, it's, we, we must obey when God when God prompts us to do something. Finally, as well, with the Holy Spirit, it's, a, it's not about having just clever strategies and plans. You know, I'm all in for planning. I love being organized. I love strategies. I believe God is in the planning. But do you know, 
You're not as in tune with the Holy Spirit as you like to think you are, and nor am I. We are dull of heart, and so often we can plan and we can pray, and God sort of points us in the right direction-ish, and then all of a sudden there's a little bit over here he wants us to go down. And, and sometimes, actually, God just likes to test us that way as well. And again, that's normally at a time that's inconvenient for you. But my friends, don't uh, out-strategize the Holy Spirit. We've so, so got things so organized that, no, no, Holy Spirit, I can't, I can't quite follow your promptings there. You know, the other week, uh, a number of you would have met a guy called Russell last week who came to church. He's, he's from London, originally from I- Iraq. And then he came back to my house for a barbecue. He ended up coming here because we were, Anna and myself and Tom and Sarah were down Berlin Gap on, on Saturday. And uh, we're just finishing for the day. I was packing up. We'd had a barbecue on the beach in the evening, so we'd eaten. It was, a, it was a lovely time. The kids were, you know, getting special, so it was time to begin to, to take them home. And I was just nearly finishing packing up when this guy says to me, oh, would you like some chicken? And I'm thinking just seen I've eaten my barbecue I'm packing up what's anyway I felt the Holy Spirit say just go and talk to him so I did I went over and sat down had some chicken which was delicious by the way but uh, uh, that's besides the point I, uh, I, I went and sat down with him 20 minutes later or 20 or 30 minutes later God had opened up that conversation we'd shared the gospel with him invited him here he came here came to the barbecue and do you know what he said to me last week he said it was like being with my family and he was trying to arrange to meet up this weekend, but it, it didn't, didn't quite work. But who knows what God's going to do with that. But my point is, there was no strategy. There was no clever planning there. In fact, I was thinking about going home. But the Spirit just, just nudged me. Just, just go and have some chicken with him. And God opened up that conversation. My friends, let's be sensitive to what the Spirit is calling us to do. Heaven's heartbeat is not for you to be busy with lots of activity, running around on a very clever strategy, doing things that you're strong in. No, heaven wants you to partner with the Holy Spirit in all that he's calling you to do, following the promptings that he gives you along the way. And it's only with the Holy Spirit's power can we truly share the love of God. And finally, we do all this to the glory of God the Father. The glory of God is the end game of all things. That is the ultimate purpose of everything. And don't worry about Jesus in that, because the more glory we give to Jesus, the more God the Father is glorified, because the Father is glorified through the Son. Philippians 2 verse 11 says this, So then, so that, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. My friends, bringing glory to God is what should be the focus of our lives. The famous passage of Scripture, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31 says, Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. That sounds great, doesn't it? But how do you do that in the ordinary, in the practical, in the day-to-day life of working in the office or in the garage or wherever it is or at school? My friends, we can do that by thanking him for what he's given us, by involving him in 
in the work we're doing. He's interested in your work, whether it's fixing cars, whether it's writing a, a, an essay, whether it's cooking for people, whatever it is, we can do it to the glory of God. So do that spreadsheet to the best of your ability in the time that's given you. Make it as accurate and look as nice as it possibly can. As you do that, you do it to the glory, glory of God. Do your homework as well as you can in the time, uh, in an appropriate time. And as you do that, you can do that to the glory of God. You know, it said of Hudson Taylor, he was so focused on the glory of God, he would even try and write as well as he could because he was doing it for the glory of, of God. I don't know if I'd say go that far, but still, you know, uh, you can go that far if, 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 if you want to. Yes, you may be fed up of cooking another meal for people that don't appreciate it, that probably don't need it as well. But don't, don't give in to that. Do it to the glory of God. Do it for God who sees everything and knows everything. My friends, God wants to be involved in your life. Do you know you can thank him even for natural things? God's not just interested in the spiritual stuff. He's interested in your life. You can thank him for normal, normal bodily functions as well. You can, you can thank him for that. I tell you, if any of you have ever had problems, you know, with this, you're very thankful to God when everything goes right again. And if you're in that, that position where actually, barring a miracle, things won't go right again, then choose not to get bitter and choose to trust God in that difficult situation and know that God is glorified by you trusting him in that. God is interested in all of you, so involve him in everything in your life. And when we focus our lives on the glory of God, it not only acts as a focus, but it's like a filter, like a water filter that, 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 that keeps out any impurities going through. As we focus on the glory of God, it stops any impurities coming into our life because God cannot be glorified by sin. He cannot be glorified by lies or hatred or violence or sexual immorality or gossip or jealousies. So as we live focused on the glory of God, it actually helps us filter out the stuff that is harmful for you and me. And it causes us also to put barriers in place so we're not likely to fall into areas where uh, to go to areas where we will fall into sin as well. So my friends, let's do all we can for the glory of God. God wants us as Christchurch, as individuals here, to be people who are sharing the love of Jesus in Helsham and beyond by the power of the Holy Spirit to the glory of God the Father. That is the heartbeat of heaven, and that should be your heartbeat too, and my heartbeat. It should be the heartbeat of everybody who prays, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Can I ask you to, to stand, please? I think there, there needs to be a, a response to this, a corporate response. But I, in a way, I want to make it easy uh, for people because I, I, you, you get into that sort of herd mentality. And I want this to be a genuine thing from your heart. So if you're, can I ask everyone to close their, their eyes as well, please? If you're, if, if you're saying, yes, God, I want 
to this to be my heartbeat too. I want to be sharing the love of Jesus in Helsham and beyond wherever you send me by the power of your spirit to the glory of God the Father. Can I ask you just to put your hands in front of you like you're receiving a gift? No one's looking. It's just, just a response between you and God saying, God, I'm in for this. God, I want to do this with my life. I want to make my life count for you. I want to live for your glory. I want to share your love with people. I want to do it with your power. That's great. That's great. Let me just pray for you as we, as we close. Lord Jesus, it's all about you. It's all for you. It's all for your glory and your fame, Lord God. And Lord, we just are here as a group of people and say we want to surrender to you, Lord Jesus. We want to be a people that are completely sold out for you, wanting to share your love with everyone that we come across, Lord God, wanting to experience your love in our lives, Lord God, so it just bubbles up out of us, Lord God. And Father, I pray, may we be a people of your spirit, Lord God. We can't do it by ourselves, Lord. We've, we've tried and failed, Lord God. We get distracted. We get caught up in things we shouldn't do. We give in when we shouldn't, Lord God. Father, fill us with your spirit. May we be a people, Lord God, that draw upon your spirit day after day, Lord God, that keep in step with your spirit, Lord God, that desires your spirit's work in our lives, Lord God. May we never take the Holy Spirit for granted, Lord God, I pray, would you fill us even now, Lord God, with your Holy Spirit this morning, I pray. Lord, may we be a people that truly bring much, much glory to your name, Lord God, that serve you in our town, in our time, Lord God, to the the glory of your name and the fame of Jesus around the world. Lord Jesus, we pray that, Lord God. Come, Lord, have your way amongst us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.